The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. It's been a minute. Glad to be back with you. Back from Arizona, down there to see some Arizona Fall League action. Of course, attend first pitch Arizona. Shout out to all the guys at Baseball HQ for another great weekend. James, it was good to get eyes on guys again, but our, our window to see guys was a little limited due to the, the rain out Thursday night. That was unfortunate. Yeah, that sucked. Uh, you know, we would have... I don't. I don't even know necessarily who we missed. I mean, we, there were a lot of Brewers guys slated to play in that game, but I mean, I've already seen Isan Diaz a couple of times. We ended up seeing Brett Phillips and Jacob Nottingham uh, later on that weekend. So, uh, just would have been nice to kind of do the the typical pregame hangout with with all the guys there and mm-hmm. and uh, get an extra set of eyes on on those guys. But I mean, everything everything worked out pretty well. We got we got a couple good games on on Friday and then the, the fall stars game on Saturday. Yeah. And it, it did work out well because the, the game, especially Saturday night, or I'm sorry, Friday night, the Friday afternoon game was, was good. And all it was a typical, uh, more so of a, a typical meaningless, uh, air, fall baseball game. Next day though, a lot of, a lot of good prospects, or I'm sorry, that night, a lot of good prospects, especially on one side of the, of the diamond there, uh, getting guys on Eloy Jimenez who, who didn't play, then in the Fall Stars, he did, but he didn't start the Fall Stars game. So it's good to see him get several at-bats in this one. We saw him, of course, in South Bend earlier this year. Heck of a prospect. One of the scouts we talked to wasn't really uh, all in on him. A little bit of slow action, he said. But, I mean, when we saw him, he roped a couple doubles and looked like he's going to be a, an impact hitter at the Major League level. 
Yeah, I'm I'm all in on on Eloy Jimenez being a a stud hitter. I mean, he's he's really got it all in terms of being able to take the ball to all fields. Uh, has developing power, but it it's not like he he was the best hitter in the Midwest League, and and he only hit you know eleven, twelve homers or, or something like that, fourteen maybe. Um, so I mean that he can he can make a huge impact on the game without hitting the ball over the fence, just because he he makes extremely loud contact. Uh, he's in that kind of John Carlos Stanton range in terms of some of the exit velocities. Now, some of those have come on balls that are on the ground, uh, which should be noted. I mean, I think the one that uh, drew all the the praise and stuff on Twitter was on a a grounder to third. But, uh, you know, if he can kind of learn to to get a bit more uh, regular loft on the ball, you know, he has the the physical tools and the strength to develop uh, some – 30 35 homer power uh seems kind of a lock to end up in right field at some point for the cubs in in two or three years with with kyle schwarber uh kind of confined to left field um you know just top top six prospect for me i have him ranked number six right now he was the the best fantasy prospect in the fall league and i I think you make case that he was the best overall prospect there as well yeah, and I guess the, the other guy in that conversation, a lot of people pegging as the best real-life prospect there, Glaber Torres. I think it's interesting, these two guys, because, you know, unlike uh, Glaber, Eloy didn't really hit the ground running. Uh, you know, the bat has taken some time to develop. What is the pr- approach like? Because he didn't walk at a high clip. Uh, how much further does he have to, have to go to improve that approach? Yeah, I just I don't care about that at all. He he was the best hitter in the league. It's kind of hard to get a guy to walk if he's hitting three twenty nine and uh, just roping everything he sees. He'll he'll have to figure that out, I guess, as he moves up the ladder. But uh, Cubs have a really good developmental staff, and he's shown the ability to, to to kind of make adjustments back when he was in rookie ball. So I I just don't care about that at all. Cody Bellinger, Dodgers prospect, we got to see in the fall league, and really seemed like he was selling out for for power. He did run into him one which was good to see but he was uh, really hacking even kind of fell down fell out of the batter's box a couple times but uh, a lot of a lot of power in that bat really good to see an athletic kid uh, some were talking that he may have to play the outfield because you know there's not really a spot for him this season especially but overall the package with Bellinger is very enticing not a guy you were really high on coming into the year I know but what has uh, swayed you with Bellinger uh he He's made more contact than I anticipated. Um, kind of coming into the year, I thought he might be uh, the guy that hits like 250 and hits maybe 25 homers. Um, now I kind of I kind of see more more batting average there, especially if you project two or three years down the road. Uh, he really his whole approach really kind of reminded me a lot of Anthony Rizzo. And, uh, you know, the, the ending up on one knee, you know, on some swings that, that really reminded me of Rizzo crowding the plate, the way, the way Rizzo does, uh, he was actually all, he was like crowding the plate and he was extremely far back in the box to the point that he was maybe out of the box, uh, and really kind of trying to bait pitchers into, to throwing the ball inside to him so that he could, uh, yank it out to the, the pull side, uh, I think, I think this is a, a top twenty prospect just based on the the power, and you know, it, just just because a guy can look bad on some some swings and misses, um, doesn't necessarily mean that they are destined to to struggle to hit for average. I mean, it just it all it means is that they're expecting a certain pitch and and selling out. Um, expecting that pitch to be there i mean i i think you you look at what he was able to do as a 20 year old at double a uh that that kind of uh it's a manageable k rate i mean it's not it's not the best thing in the world but i I think for a 20 year old to be able to pull it off suggests to me that if you forecast three years down the road he'll be striking out at uh 25 20 percent clip something like that which is which is extremely um 
that's totally fine if he's going to hit 30 plus homers I, I just think that he's a guy that you might see struggle uh, at times in his first say like 500 plate appearances in the big leagues I think you'll see you know he might hit the ground running and then the league will adjust to him and then he'll really struggle for for a run there and it might be a year or two before he kind of really starts becoming the the player that everyone sort of expects him to be Bellinger up to number 16 on your prospect rankings leaping organizational mate Alex Verdugo who we didn't get to see not that Verdugo has been a big faller but uh, Bellinger has been a, a big riser for you since the, the start of the year Verdugo out in or he was sent to Mexico to play in the Mexican League I believe uh, again didn't get to see him but there were some talk and a lot of rumors that are still persisting just about his his makeup and his uh, his attitude towards playing the game. Maybe he's, he's rubbing some people the wrong way. But uh, and as a, a keeper league owner, I'm getting a little hesitant. Maybe thinking about moving him. You still believe it, the, the skills will ultimately win out there? I just don't have enough information regarding the makeup to mm-hmm. to really downgrade him for it. I think you know you could you can hear this stuff all the time this time of year. I mean, people were kind of saying the same stuff about J.P. Crawford this time last year at the AFL. And it's just a it's a time of year where guys are maybe not thrilled with what they're being asked to do. They've just played a full season. Uh, a and long, they're making peanuts. A long season. Yeah, exactly. So I'm yeah. not going to read too much into that. I, I still think he's a, a pretty advanced hitter. Yeah, I'd find it hard not to be pissed off generally if I was a, a player in the minor leagues just – uh, given the, the wages and the, the, the travel, it's it's a hard life uh, until you get on that forty man. But let's continue on with your latest farm futures piece again. Check out James's work. You can go back and check out the backlog of farm futures. Go to wire dot com slash radio for a free ten day trial. Glaber Torres again, one of the top prospects, arguably the top real life prospect in the fall league. You also like him a hell of a lot for fantasy this year. Uh, maybe not this year, uh, but long term anyway. Uh, a guy that's you say here slightly thicker than than you might expect at six one nineteen year old he does just have the look of a guy who's uh, got the poise and the maturity to to be a, a star major leaguer when do you s- expect to see torres uh twenty eighteen maybe mid twenty eighteen i i just i don't really see any reason why he'd be up this year uh probably gonna start the year at double a but he'll be uh yeah, I don't even know. Does he turn 19 before the start of the season? Or does he turn 20? I'm not sure. It'll be kind of a young 20 if he is 20. Uh, it's it's going to be impressive if he just kind of holds his own at AA this year. I, I'm not fully expecting him to, to really dominate there and, and push a, a promotion to AAA until maybe the, the very end of the year. So, you know, they have Didi Gregorius – there's there's no real reason to to kind of rush him to the show. I think it's it's best to kind of keep developing him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's it's it's kind of interesting with him. I, I think everyone kind of knows that there's the potential for you know twelve to fifteen homers, fifteen to twenty steals over a full season. Uh, the big question for me is what the batting average is going to look like. He he's already uh, done a pretty good job of taking walks for for a guy his age you know sometimes you see a short steps that kind of get pushed up the ladder uh not not really taking the free pass that often he's he's done that he took three walks in the the first game we saw him play and i think he was maybe trying to impress a little too much in the fall stars game struck out his first three times up there uh but when he when he's patient and he goes up there with the idea of waiting for his pitch he, he'll take a walk which I, which i love but the the batting average you know could be kind of in that 260 280 range uh if it's if it's 280 then you're looking at a potential top 10 shortstop in fantasy if it's in the the 260 range then maybe he's more of a a high-end uh, middle infielder in, in shallower mixed leagues but at the big thing with him is that he, he proved this year that he can stick at shortstop and, and he made some nice plays in the field so uh, when he is ready, I think it will be his his spot at short. Yeah, Jim Callis of MLB.com said 280-15-15. You know, those kind of seasons may be selling Torres short in terms of expectations. I think uh, this is a, a guy I really want to get some shares of. But at the same time, with the shortstop position now looking as it does, I mean, things have changed in regard to, to shortstops. I mean, m- more uh, plentiful in terms of quality options there. 
Is that affecting, you know, kind of scarcity in the miners in terms of how you, uh, if you put a premium on shortstops, or do you still do that just because they are generally the best athletes? Uh, I still value them a bit more than than most positions, maybe any other position, just because, like you said, they are premium athletes. If you can play shortstop, you can, you can pretty much play anywhere else if you need to move off, and... If you're a good defensive shortstop, that means you know that they're going to be given an extremely long leash uh, to really show that they can hit. Uh, if you're like a corner outfielder, or like a left fielder, first baseman, and you, say, struggle in your first 400, 500 plate appearances in the big leagues, you might not get another shot at, at being an everyday player depending on what organization you're in. But if you're providing a plus defense at shortstop, then – I mean, look at a guy like Gadani Hechevarria. Like he's he's been playing excellent defense at shortstop for a few years now. The bat hasn't really come around, but he's still playing every day uh, just because of what he brings with his glove. I think that that's that's nice to have as at least a you know you're you know he's going to be getting you the the runs uh, the the counting stats to to at least be serviceable in deeper leagues, even if the bat takes a while to come around. Yeah. Plus, I think some of the guys that have exploded on the scene in recent years, these young guys. That have made, especially the top end at shortstop, the top tier, uh, the first tier, second tier, those kind of guys who might be moving off third base in coming seasons. So there's still going to be room for these guys in the top ten at the position, I certainly imagine. Uh, moving on, Michael Kopech. This was a guy that I came away having an impression that Kopech, uh, again, of the or in the Red Sox organization. It was one of the standouts in terms of the, the scouts, and uh, a lot of guys kind of starting to fall in love with him. He does look, you know, he drew some some Cindergard comps, and he does kind of uh, have that look out there. Of course, not only with the hair, but with the the power fastball, which uh, reports had him up at one oh five at a certain point this year. It didn't look as good as Brett Honeywell in the uh, the Fall Stars game, but there's still uh, an enticing. Uh, array of pitches here and, and stuff. Uh, I like him a lot, but how high are you willing to push him in your rankings? I've met thirty-two. That's a it's a good spot. I mean, is there is the Cindergard thing a little overblown, or do you think that's that's fair? No, I like. I think that 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 comp makes sense. I mean, baby Cindergard. I don't. I don't. I don't want to ever cop a guy straight up to Cindergard, but that's kind of a. You know, for a guy at high A who's 20, I think he is exactly what you'd expect out of a guy that was drawing Syndergaard comps. I think you're talking about a guy with a slider in the, the high 80s, low low 90s, uh, can, can park his fastball at 98, 99, uh, can drop it down to 95, 96 to... to get a little bit better command on the pitch. The changeup, I think, has uh, flashed above average at times. That, to me, is going to be a, a big thing for, for whether or not he makes it as a starter or a reliever. Uh, just kind of speaks to his his floor as a top five, top three closer in baseball if he doesn't end up as a starter that I, I have him ranked in the top 40, and I think there's like a 20 30 percent chance he doesn't even stick as a starter so i mean that that just kind of shows you what what you got there if if it doesn't work out it'll be a dominant reliever i like him more than honeywell i uh, just i think there's number one num- number two starter upside there whereas honeywell to me is more of a number three yeah again the fastball is really impressive some some uh word that the slider and changeup can both be plus when he wants to throw them which of those two secondary offerings is the biggest concern with Kopech? The changeup, but I mean that it's it's better than like it, you, there's a lot of a lot of guys in the minors that have um, you know a dominant fastball, uh, breaking ball like Francis Martes, who we're going to talk about in a bit. I like Kopech's changeup. I think it's it's a better bet as a as a quality pitch than than some of those other guys that you'll see with a, a top two and then the the changeup needs some work I mean the changeup needs some work but I think it's it's good enough right now that I I still think he's going to be a starter yeah I'd imagine there are quite a few teams looking to at least checking in gauging the price on Copic I think this is going to be you know 
seems like the consensus is anyway that there's uh, going to be a lot of movement this off season with such a thin free agent market. Do you think the Red Sox think about moving him if the price is right? Uh, I don't think anyone in their system's off limits. Um, you know, they have a definite window to win right now. I think they could they could sign a hitter in free agency that would allow them to move one of their stud hitting prospects and then you know you could you could start to inquire about maybe one of the white Sox arms maybe you talk to arizona about zach granke uh you know several different ways that they could go about getting another uh number two number three starter which is what I think they they probably want the most. I mean, if they if they need relief pitching, I assume they would just address that via free agency. But uh, if they wanted to go get a, a really impact starting pitcher, then they would they would have to dip into that farm system. I don't think I think they'd rather deal Kopech than Benintendi or Mancata. And mm-hmm. you'd you'd probably need to move. Um, I mean, I guess throw Raphael Devers in there too. You you definitely would need to move at least one of those guys, maybe two, if you wanted to get a guy like uh, Jose Quintana or Chris Sale. Could definitely see something like that happening. Franklin Barreto, A's uh, middle infielder, the reception, or the the thoughts on him seem to be kind of uh, sour anyway. At least I took away that that perception. It seemed like the the guys we talked to weren't all that high on him, but you you cautioned me and said, you know, that's talking more about real life you still think he's going to be a, a solid fantasy option for for several years to come right yeah i think he's all the writings kind of on the wall that he's going to be a second baseman uh marcus Semyon definitely made some strides defensively last year i think that they uh would would probably prefer to keep him at shortstop especially in the short term and they're going to have like joey wendell and chad pinder kind of duking it out i guess to to see who who gets the most reps at second base earlier in the season but i think in the, in the second half you could see barreto uh called up to to play the keystone uh on a regular basis it's i don't love the body i mean i it's it's definitely a second baseman looking body it's not a smooth athletic uh frame that you you would typically see at shortstop He's got some speed right now. I don't know how long it's going to end up being, you know, 20, 25 stolen base type of speed. The the power I could see him eventually kind of learning how to how to generate a bit more of that than he's showing at present. Um just he could just be one of those guys that's that's solid across the board, doesn't really stand out in any one category, but gives you a double digit homers, double digit steals. 270 280 average uh given how crappy the a's are he might hit first or second for him at some point so there's there's no reason to to panic if you own him in a dynasty league yeah no reason to really panic just not a as sexy a prospect to own anymore we saw you know him make a, a terrible throw and he was kind of ranging i think it was to his left uh not a good throw and yeah just the the movement at second base maybe he still has some speed but didn't look to be covering a lot of ground there uh, in Arizona. Tyler O'Neill of the Mariners. This guy is is built like a, a brick house. Not not the tallest guy, five eleven, but uh, the, there's the sense that you know, given his work ethic and the the power and the approach, he's, he's going to be a regular at the major league level. Do you have any hesitations with, with Tyler O'Neill? Nope. I just think that the batting average is kind of the big question. I think you. It could be 240, could be 260, 270. That's going to kind of determine just how valuable he is. I mean, he's the power is going to be there. I thought uh, someone made a kind of a Chris Davis, uh, A's Chris Davis comp in terms of what the production could look like. Uh, I could I could see that. I mean, the the power is pretty legitimate. Um, it's kind of a left field profile, I think, uh, but I think he'll. I mean, he walks. He walks enough for to play every day. Uh, for fantasy, though, it's you know how much do you want to buy into the hit tool? I I'd kind of probably hedge and say it's going to be something in the two fifty two fifty five range on an annual basis, and 
at that point you could be looking at 25 30 homers which is which is plenty valuable you got to see james caprillion on friday night i thought he looked really really good in the first couple innings uh you know the stuff was just electric nobody could really touch him i think he got uh well a, a bunch of strikeouts but i know a lot of them came on swing strikes and uh there, there are health concerns with him, but, you know, he's gotten off to a really good start to his professional career. Do you think he's a starter or a reliever? Definitely a starter. I'm very confident about him being a a starter as long as he can continue to sort of build up innings. The only reason he wouldn't be a starter is if just health kind of forced him into the bullpen. Uh, yeah. I really I really like I, – I was really impressed as, as you were uh, – Loved his demeanor on the mound. I think when the the Yankees drafted him, he was more of kind of a low nineties guy with the fastball. In Arizona, he's been kind of in the the mid nineties. So it'll be interesting to kind of see if he holds that velocity next season. Uh, as as he does kind of build up those innings, but the you know the secondaries, the slider, the changeup, uh, the command, I. I I think it all just points to him being a, a starter and if he can hold these velocity gains that he's had since since entering pro ball I think he looks like a like a number two uh to me I mean I I really like what I saw out of him yeah 17 strikeouts in the fall league so far four walks uh, so that is definitely good to see definitely fair and well down there Brent Honeywell mentioned him in passing earlier Started the Fall Stars game and looked looked excellent. It really, you know, I was looking for the screwball, but what I really came away with, you know, thinking was that the fastball looked excellent. It's going to allow his other offerings to, to, to play really well. You, you know, you said you like Kopech a little more, but how high uh, is the ceiling for Brent Honeywell? Uh, realistically, I think it, the ceiling's a number three. I think he's a very, very safe bet to be a number three, but I just don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't really think he's much more than that, which is no no knock on him. I mean, if he if the the fastball were to tick up, I mean, it, it was it was in the mid to upper nineties, I think, at the Fall Stars game. But I just kind of kind of got to throw that those velo readings out with it being a, a two inning stint. Uh, if you know, I think he was more kind of in the ninety three ninety four range uh, all season long. And if if that's kind of where he ends up sitting, then yeah, I think he's a number three. Yeah, I could see that, and you know that is good to point out because he was really popping the glove. But yeah, in a shorter spurt, you got to expect that. You know, we haven't seen a, a screwballer in the majors in a long ass time. I think it's like thirty some plus years. I forget exactly, but what are, what are the concerns with that? Is there significant injury risk that comes with such a such a, a weird delivery there? Uh, I don't. I don't think so, but I also just don't know because it's like you said. It, what are we really comparing mm-hmm. it to? Uh, it's not like we have a big track record of guys throwing screwballs getting hurt because we just don't have mm-hmm. many guys throwing screwballs. I know Eno Harris talked to him, and uh, he was basically telling Eno that it was more of a grip thing than a a snap of the <laughs> wrist type of thing. So I don't think that just wouldn't wouldn't really even factor into to me kind of valuing him as a as a prospect i mean any of these guys could get hurt caprillion to me is more of a injury risk than honeywell he doesn't throw a screwball uh Kopech's probably more of an injury risk to me than honeywell just because of the velocity so i i wouldn't factor that in bradley zimmer we got to see him hit a opposite field homer it was crushed that was the loudest ball off the bat i'd heard all weekend and uh, probably in a, a long ass time live you know sitting we're sitting what five rows back really impressive loud contact but ton of swing and miss in his game 171 strikeouts in 130 games is there you know i know a lot of guys are, are on him given the upside uh potential to really fill out every category but is the batting average gonna always be a drain you think yeah, I mean, I th- what, what was the average batting average last year? Like two fifty five, something like that. Uh, um, two fifty five at Double A, two forty two at Triple A. No, I mean, like, what was the major league average? Oh, like, for I, batting I average, was, that's a good question. I think it was like two fifty five, something like that. Uh, I think he's a two forty, two fifty guy. So it's he's he's not an a, he's not going to be an asset in that category. Uh, 
Um, yeah, it's just it's going to be interesting to kind of see how much he strikes out against big league pitching because I think he has the power and speed to be, you know, twenty twenty guy, but it's also possible that he just gets you know, overwhelmed by big league pitchers and isn't able to fully tap into that power. The, he draws a ton of walks, um, which is, which is going to help him stay on the field. He can play all three outfield spots. I mean, he's got the look. I'll, get, I'll say that. I mean, he looks, you see him swing the bat and play, play the game. He looks like a, a major leaguer. Yeah. I don't, I didn't love the swing. I thought it, there was just a lot of, moving parts there which is not surprising given how tall he is and that's that's part of the reasons why he's been, been striking out so much um i have him ranked 54th right now on the top 200 which i think properly kind of factors in the the risk uh and the reward there francis martes of the astros got knocked around a little bit in his uh, during his appearance in the fall stars game fastball looked a little flat are you leaning Leaning reliever after what we saw, or did your opinion not really change on Martes? I was leaning reliever before we went down there, and uh, that didn't really that didn't really change. I just think that the more I kind of watch him, uh, every every time I see see video of him, uh, or at least before we went down there, it seemed like he was missing the glove fairly regularly i mean it it wasn't necessarily showing up in the walks but uh it would in the big leagues and if you know at worst case scenario he's missing the glove in the zone and that's going to lead to hard contact because like you said i think the fastball velo wise is a is a 70 grade pitch but if it's pretty straight and he can't consistently keep it down and on the edge of the zone then that's I mean hit big league hitters are just gonna kill that so I think the best way to kind of make the whole package work would be to have him uh be used in one and two inning stretches where he could just really pound that that fastball maybe even get it up to to 98 99 with regularity and then use that that hammer curveball to get strikeouts I think the Astros are going to be an interesting team to watch this offseason because they definitely have to address, you know, what's their rotation going to look like, who are going to be option six and seven uh, for when guys inevitably miss time. I think Marte's just kind of given where he's at. He might start the year in AAA. He's kind of an obvious guy where – you know, if they enter the year without a ton of depth, people are going to say, well, you know, if they need a, need some help, he's, he's a guy they could call on. I think that would – it'd be interesting, I guess, to kind of see what he would do, but I, I think it could be uh, kind of a disaster if, if they, they rushed him and, and asked him to join the rotation, uh, especially like early or, or mid-season next year. I think he would be ready, though, almost right away to help out of the bullpen, so it's just – it's how do they want to develop him? Do they want to just really kind of try uh, as hard as they can to turn him into a starter? In that case, I don't know when he becomes useful for fantasy purposes. It might not be for a couple of years, but if they were to kind of fast-track him to the bullpen, I think he could be uh, one of the better relievers in that bullpen and could end up being not a not an Andrew Miller quality guy, but uh, – still a guy that you would own in in deeper leagues just for the the ratios and the strikeouts martes is a guy took an our staff keeper league to auction for a buck held him throughout the entire year thinking now i'm just gonna throw him back kind of a waste of a, a roster spot over the course of the entire season that's fun but we'll move on willie calhoun dodgers second baseman man you, t- you look at this guy and uh you, you really don't see a ball player Looks like just a normal guy you'd grab off the street and throw him in a, a uniform. Not but even. Like, he, he's got a worse body than I would yeah. expect to find on the street. Yeah. Like, and, like I, he looks like me if I put a Dodger, like, just a uniform. Just plump and short. He's, he's, uh, it's not, it's just not a, not a big league body. I mean, that's, that's the way it is. And, but, but man, it's, but hey. It, <laughs> It's, he had a hell of a fall stars game. It's not even a DH body, like because no. of how short he is. Like you just don't even. 
you would never see him and expect him to be playing uh, professional baseball, let alone big league baseball. Uh, but he's got a really crazy uh, raw power to the pull side against righties. So it just kind of becomes how do the Dodgers get him on the field? I don't see him playing against lefties because no matter where he plays, the defense is going to be below average. So you're not going to put him out there when he doesn't have the platoon advantage. So then you're talking about a platoon second baseman. Uh, That's what you want. Like In real life bru- and like, fantasy. Like, like a, I compared him with a, DVR and I were comparing him to like a Scooter Jeanette with Pop. Uh, that might even be selling – Jeanette's defense at second base a little short even though he is below average there he might still be a tad better than Calhoun he's 22 once that metabolism starts <laughs> starts dying down let me let me tell you from experience Willie yeah uh, it's not gonna be good for your your baseball career it's just such a weird guy to have because I wonder you know like what's the trade market even like for him because, I mean, there's no way you're going to get a scout to go in there and, and look at him and not have the body kind of define the report. You know, the, the power is going to be mentioned as well, but it's bat just going to be like, hey, bat speed. He can, he can ambush a fastball, but he's fat. Hey, uh, like he's he's got a ton of this this pull power and he's fat. And, like, you know, that that's what the report's going to read like. So I just don't think there's going to be a ton they could really get from or get for him on the trade market. So – if he can just find a way to turn himself in, like, like, you know, Johnny Peralta turned himself into a pretty decent defensive shortstop for a while. If Calhoun can just somehow be like just below average at second base, then I think they could, the bat probably justifies starting up against righties. But, um, I didn't, I, I moved him out of my top 100. He's still top 200 guy for me, but, He's definitely in that box of guys where the defense does kind of affect the the fantasy value. Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, those those body shaming scouts. But look, it's it's part of the game, and it's understandable because aside from Peralta, how many success stories really are there? Even even Prince Fielder, who was you know first base DH, that was a short short well, career. Like you know, like I I kind of. Mentioned Dan Ugla in the article. Dan Ugla is quicker and more range than, than Willie Calhoun. Uh, Calhoun, yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be tough. I, I think he's a fun he's a fun guy to watch out there. You know, I'd, yeah, I'd love to love to see him play. You know, at like the local you know independent league ball or something like that. You know, sure, you, you go see him and hang out with him or something like that. I just I don't know if he's a big league caliber uh, defender at any position. Yeah, if it doesn't work out, Willie, you can come hang with us here <laughs> in Madison. I'm sure you'll take us up on that. Just wanted to mention, too, because you said you mentioned your, your top 200. You are expanding, for our listeners who don't know, you are expanding that to, to 400 players, correct? Yeah, that should be that should be live probably – you know, I think as soon as kind of right around when the, where the magazines go into printers will be kind of when I, late January ish, or well maybe before then. I once I've kind of written all the notes and edited all the notes uh, that I need to edit in terms of the prospects, then I'll post the uh, top four hundred, and then I'll also be going taking the team uh, top tens and, and turning those into team top twenties. So. Be more lists for for all you guys out there. I don't, I don't know. I don't know necessarily how many people are gonna, you know, use a, a top four hundred. But if you are, then then you're then you're my kind of my kind of person. So hopefully hopefully those are of some help to people when those go live. My kind of guy. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Also looking forward to the outlooks. You know, lists are great and all. Everybody loves a good list, but reading the the player blurbs from you and. Uh, some of our other prospect guys, Jesse Siegel, some others. Uh, looking forward to that because that's really where we get into the meat and potatoes of, of the skill set and then the projected role for, for 2017. But Michael Geddes of the 
Padres. Didn't seem like many people were on him, but what, can you make a case for this guy in, in Dynasty Leagues? Uh, the case is just that at a certain point, if you're in a deep enough dynasty league, a guy with his tools that is possibly going to start the year at double a needs to be rostered. It's Mm -hmm. pretty unlikely that he's ever going to be a everyday player or that he's ever going to hit enough to actualize those tools in games. But, you know, just the speed, the power speed combination, you know, it could, if he, if he were to hit just like two fifty then you could be talking about 20 homers, 30 steals. So uh, that's that's the reason you hold on to a guy like that in deeper leagues. I think in, in formats where only 150 guys or 150 prospects are rostered, you can definitely leave him out there on the, the scrap heap. But uh, he has tools, and you know it's better to own a guy with, with tools – who could maybe figure it all out than just a guy that's going to hit 270 and not do much in terms of power mm-hmm. or speed. Got a Jeff Francoeur comp over down there. Not really what you want, but again, tools are there and uh, definitely got to at least keep an eye on. Luis Gohara, hopefully a future red. Touched 100 miles per hour in Arizona. Young, young kid, and you know, starting to come together, but a long ways off. Uh, he's a guy that I think, you know, I must have skipped. Actually, you didn't write about Gohara. Sorry, we can another sheet, but let's talk a little about Gohara because, you know, I've wanted to believe in him. He's a big guy. I mean, I think he was listed in the the manual they gave us at like two ten, which is just absurd. He looks way bigger than mm. that. Aside from the fastball, what else does he have? Uh, slider changeup. There seemed to be some some talk that like you know people are kind of already throwing him in the reliever box. I don't really want to do that with him just yet. I know the he's got a pretty big body. Derek Van Riper threw a ton of shade his way. Uh, I think he referred to him as a, a left-handed Jumbo Diaz. <laughs> I mean that's hey, that's not that shady. I think that's that's <laughs> awfully shady. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> I I still think, like, look, I mean, if you're going to bet on a, a lower-level arm that touches 99, then, yeah, there's a really strong likelihood that they're going to be a reliever. I mean, that just rarely turns into a starter. But I think that with Gohara, he's someone that has made adjustments as a pro. You know, he, he struggled his first few seasons in the Mariners system and then this past year it sort of seemed like he he made the the necessary adjustments and started to have a lot more success definitely has the body to eat innings so I'm I'm not gonna say he's a reliever until he gets to say like double a and is just really starting to show some signs that that he that he can't hack it as a starter I think it's too early to kind of make that call I think he's got enough upside where he should be owned in, in leagues where 200 prospects are rostered. Yeah, I'm eyeing that Cozart for Gohara deal straight up this winter. We'll see if it happens. I noticed you didn't write about any Reds prospects. Why is that? Uh, well, they didn't have – they had a lot of guys there. It was James. That was kind of frustrating, that, that Friday afternoon game we went to. Um, on the one hand, I was – kind of in heaven i mean just you know it's the arizona suns beating down on you you got got a nice beer you're you're really just kind of laying back in in the stands just enjoying some baseball but then there's there's these reds prospects and these white Sox prospects out there towards the second half of that game and just really wasn't ideal uh i don't think anyone was really uh, appreciated of that but no, those guys looked like they were taken off the street too. <laughs> thankfully, they didn't, in terms of performance, on th- the field. thankfully they didn't extend an invite to to too many of those guys to the Fall Stars game. Yeah, the the I don't even remember his name, but the the Reds token appearance in the Fall Stars game <laughs> guy came in and faced like two batters, and it was like, nope, you don't even get to finish the inning. No, nope, you're done. It was pretty pretty sad <laughs> sad showing, especially because I was seeing Glaber Torres there, and uh, of course. Yeah, the Yankees getting him for Chapman, uh, and the Reds return for Chapman. 
in rookie Davis. Clay, Clay, Clay dropped like we're watching uh, Glaber on Friday night, and Clay just like very uh, sort of deadpan just says he should be a red. Like, hey, he should be. <laughs> Coulda, woulda, shoulda. I just. Just makes me sick. You know, they were talking too at the beginning of first pitch the forum. You know, who's who's the sad sack team now? You know, you can't ever say anymore. You know, well, at least I'm not a Cubs fan. This and that. Well, it's the Reds. <laughs> They're the new bottom feeders in Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think there's a case for that. They're they're in that conversation. Just in terms of decision making and in, in front offices, I think especially maybe especially now that the Diamondbacks have overhauled their front yeah, office. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it hasn't shown up on the field yet. The Twins have overhauled their front office. The Reds yeah. just sitting there. The know. Reds let a, a lame duck president of baseball ops finish out the year. I just don't get I guess we got Dick Williams now. Fun. Good times. Well, let's move on. Harrison Bader Cardinals outfielder, uh, you know, he was a guy that uh, I know had a, at least one hit in the Fall Stars game. Looked decent from what I saw, but not a guy I know a lot about. What's the overall skill set with, with Harrison Bader? Uh, he's he's a guy that I would I would throw like the gamer tag on, and I would also say that he has the potential for average or better tools across the board except that there are some flaws that are starting to make me a little little wary. I, I used to have him as a top 100 guy at some point earlier this season or earlier in the season, and now I just kind of have him uh, slightly inside the top 200. He he mashes lefties. Like I think he, he is, his most likely role is going to be as a – a uh, guy that can defend all three outfield spots and crushes lefties. I mean, those those guys are on almost – there's a guy like that on almost every big league roster, so he's he's going to have a big league career. Uh, the, the question is how much is he going to hit against righties and then how much trouble is he going to have against breaking balls? We saw in the, the Fall Stars game that he uh, got, got a double and a single – First two at bats, both on both on fastballs. Then he then he struck out his next two on a, on a steady dose of curveballs and changeups. So it'll be interesting to kind of see just what he becomes if if he's able to just be a guy that posts you know like a seven forty seven fifty OPS against righties. Then you're talking about a guy that that could really be a, a useful fantasy player because he could give you twenty twenty five homers. 10 15 steals and like a, a 270 275 average like that's the absolute best case scenario i just i don't really see it especially you know in st louis they have you know i, I think a harrison bader tommy fam platoon while definitely not exciting uh to, to say aloud i think that that no that actually would be a fairly productive platoon i think in center field offensively so and Bader would be on the short end of that one. So, You're not going to put Wong in, in center field, <laughs> dude. Colton Wong, like, because he came up during a, a forum and so some people were defending guy. him. I love Colton Wong. Like, I, I think he, I think if he comes up in a different organization, he should get moved. Then you could be talking about like a one of the top ten or so second basemen in the game. And they've just jerked him around so much. I just feel so bad for him. Like the Matheny doesn't think he can get lefties. He like just if he goes like two for twenty, then he's gonna get benched or optioned. You know, I mean, it's just such a tough spot to put a posi- a, a player like that in. And I, I don't see any reason for him to be playing center field. That it's mm-hmm. not a he doesn't he hasn't shown that he can hit enough to really justify forcing him into a position where he's not a above average defender. So I think it's kind of second base or nothing with him. I'm with you. I'd like them to, to trade him, but it's, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the Cardinals do this off season. They have kind of a lot of spots on their roster that need, uh, that, that are really kind of up, up in the air. Yeah. But a lot of guys in the, in the infield, a lot of infield options, a lot of mid, like, middle infielders. So I think center, but like really who, his only path. But who do you? Yeah, I mean, like, but you have, like, I'm not, I'm not sold that 
like Jed Jerko is a better baseball player than no. Colton Wong or Greg Garcia or but Matheny's so uh, Johnny Peralta. Like you, you even Oledmus Diaz. All those guys to me are just like the same sort of mediocre, uh, roll five type of hey, guy. Man. Like don't, I, don't tell that to Mike. <laughs> I it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, luckily they extended him, so yeah. Of course, he will have that eligibility long, but. The, as we said, the this crop of talent in the middle infield is is so much greater than it has been in recent years. I think he's going to be pushed down outside of the 350 for a lot of guys. I know I had him uh, outside of mine when, when we submitted it. That's another thing, roundtable rankings. For subscribers, check those out. Myself, Tim Heaney, DVR, uh, I'm trying to think, Todd Zola, Jeff Erickson, all submitting our 350s, and those are put into a composite ranking you can use for an early drafter. But moving on, Garrett Stubbs, we saw Friday afternoon. You pointed him out. You said, this is a guy to keep an eye on. I thought, wow, this guy's a catcher. Didn't look anything like a catcher. Short, five foot ten, scrawny as can be, skinny legs. But, you know, you really called your shot there, and he had a real nice game. Uh, doubled and drew a walk. Also threw a guy out on a really nice throw, and Given the state of the position, I mean, you look at what he he's done. He's 23 now, advanced to double-A last season, posted a 918 OPS at double-A, 31 games. Given the state of the position, is this a guy who could maybe, in the fact that Evan Gaddis is uh, not really an everyday catcher type, is he somebody that could come up and help the Astros and maybe fantasy owners in a second catcher spot? It's just really hard to know what to do with him because – I love uh I love everything that I saw from him in that in that one game. He's a guy that I I mean his numbers do really sort of stand out because this is a guy that, that I think walked more than he struck out at might have been high A, but I mean that's that's Lancaster or at least it was for the the Astros last year. And you know, then he he also brings a solid approach when he when he gets moved up to double A still another another hitter's environment there i was just really interested to kind of see what he what he had to to offer he made a lot of loud contact he looked good behind the plate i i thought his uh intangibles really i i liked what i saw you know he he was joking around with the one of the third base coaches during a during a pitching change and uh, just kind of one of those guys that it, it seemed like every like players on both teams and managers were all you know you know kind of seeking him out to to chat up and he was you know he, he introduced himself to the to the umpire and was having a talk with him before the game like it just seemed like a guy that that really fits the the mold of like the intangibles you look for in a catcher uh, but that that body I'm just I don't know what to do with a guy that is five ten and. You know he's athletic. I like the the way his he moves, but I mean he's a, a slight five ten. That's just there's you rarely see that at catcher. Uh, I think given where the Astros are at the position, like you said, they're they're not going to move him off catcher anytime soon. Uh, and I and I'm I'm guessing they like him. Like mm-hmm. I think that there's there's probably people in that organization that do view him as their catcher of the future, but be interesting to just kind of see see how how long of a leash he gets just given the the fact that he doesn't fit into that that prototypical catcher's box i i think he's someone to keep an eye on though i have him ranked as the number 200 prospect in baseball squeezed him in there just because i'm a i'm a pretty big fan at this point and like you said it's such a terrible time to be looking for production at the catcher position in fantasy if he just hits 280, 285, 8, 10 homers, something like that, that's that's going to be pretty useful in, in all formats. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Chris Blessing of Baseball HQ, and he said, you know, you think that the state of the catcher position is at the major league level is bad. It's probably on a whole, you know, even worse in, in the minors right now. So you really, I think you really got to – Put a premium on the on the top catchers this year, and even on catchers in the minor leagues. If you're in a dynasty keeper league, Francisco Mejia is a guy that um, I think if he's if he's available in your league, you might have to think about taking him. 
Even in the auction. What do you think of that? Well, yeah, I I actually ended up moving him down our, our ranks uh, quite a few spots today just because I heard from a scout in the AFL that his uh, his defense is just not good, which is really? the first time I'd heard that. Um, and then you kind of – he's a guy like, like with Stubbs, like, if he sticks behind the plate, like Mejia, Mejia actually does look like a like a catcher. So I wasn't worried about any of the body issues I am with with Stubbs. But he doesn't really have the tools, power or speed wise, to be all that appealing if he's not catching. And so the the fact that he hasn't been uh, great defensively, especially with framing, uh, is a little worrisome. It 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 makes you wonder whether even when he is big league ready whether he'll be catching more than two or three times a week so i i dropped him dropped him down a little bit i still have him in the top 100 but uh catcher definitely one of those positions where defense is extremely important uh, for the dynasty league ranking of a guy zach collins is another guy he's he's in the afl we didn't get to see him but if I knew for a fact that he'd be able to stick behind the plate and catch five or six games a week, he'd be a top 50, maybe even higher than that uh, on the, the top 200 right now. But uh, there's plenty of questions about whether he'll stick behind the plate too. So I have him down at 77, Francisco Mejia at 80. And then uh, we're going to talk about Jacob Nottingham. I gave him a, a big uh, fall down the list after hmm. after talking with some people in the at the AFL. Yeah, that's interesting because we can we jump to him because when he, you take a look at him, he's another guy that, I mean, you can't get this intel everywhere, but you take a look at the guy and he just looks like a heck of a ball player. I mean, he's <laughs> huge. But, of course, that doesn't really help you if you're trying to stick behind the plate. Uh, ball blocking is, is a big concern. And there's just a lot of questions with him, but I think – He's a player that I'm I'm still intrigued by, but is he going to hit enough and for enough power to stick at first base for what seems like, you know, in two to three years at least, an inevitable move? Right. So that's – I moved him down – let's see. I moved him down to 165 on the top 200, and I have him ranked there as a first baseman. Like I'm not even uh, – one, one scout – told us that he has basically no shot of sticking behind the plate. So if you're hearing that about a guy at double A who definitely looks like it, like physically looks like it might be a stretch to picture him there, then I think you can just go ahead and confidently write him off ever ever being a, a big league catcher. So you have to look at him as a first baseman. Fortunately, the Brewers don't have anyone that profiles at first base for them long term. So I think that is a definite, you know, realistic uh, outcome is that he becomes the Brewers' uh, everyday first baseman. But as a first baseman, then you're going to have to start judging his offense a lot more harshly than you would if you knew he was going to be a catcher. Then you look at the fact that he struck out 30% of the time last year at Double A. Uh, definitely raises some concerns, plus raw power, but... And, and in that park, that that could be nice. You know, could be a twenty-five, thirty homer guy with a two forty, two fifty average. But he's going to have to make more contact. So, you know, a guy that if you can if you can get someone to buy him that thinks he's going to be a catcher, then I think you should you should explore selling him now before all of the you know organizational lists start coming out and and people start kind of making it well-known that he's probably not going to catch. Got to talk about Brett Phillips here. I, I keep hearing about this guy's laugh. We Just give me a second here. I got to hear this. Because I, I keep hearing this is just the, the best laugh in baseball. Okay, I just had to hear that. That's just him just like squealing or doing something. Mm-hmm. Good for him. I don't. I don't know if that's his best, his best quality or what. Seems is like this, the, is it his top tool? It might be his top tool. Hey, at least, at least his teammates I, get a kick out of him. But his arms, his arms probably his top tool. Uh, 
seems like he's been one of the the guys who's fallen just in the the community, the scouting community. The opinion of him has fallen dramatically. Yeah, I haven't really liked anything I've seen from him since he came over to the Brewers in that trade. This is another big uh, kind of PSA that you should not overreact to a Astros prospect doing a bunch of damage at Lancaster, even Corpus Christi. The the Rockies now uh, their high A is going to be Lancaster, so keep that in mind. You know, if if Brennan Rogers or Brian Mundell or Sam Hilliard go to to Lancaster next year and just really really rake. Uh, you know, pump the brakes there. That's kind of where Brett Phillips sort of uh, really made his name as a as a prospect was by by raking it at high A for the Astros. And ever since coming over to the Brewers, he's been missing or he's been swinging and missing a ton. Uh, the bat looked slow in the AFL. It, I mean, guys were were sending ninety four, ninety five mile an hour fastballs by him. He wasn't able to catch up. That that kind of helps explain some of those those contact issues he's showing as has a big arm in right field and and is fast enough to to be a plus defender out there but i just i don't know how you could make an argument at this point that he's going to hit enough for to to really profile and right uh, he's got some speed it seems think, like there's very little upside here for fantasy purposes right i mean the 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 one thing he he does have good makeup, so I'm not going to completely bet against him figuring it out. And he he would occupy the strong side of old platoon if they wanted to go that way. So if if he can, you know, improve that approach a little bit, then then maybe you're looking at a guy that could could be a 15 home or 15 steal guy. But I like I said, I think the bats the bats too slow. I think to make those those adjustments. So. Uh, this is a guy that I, I moved off the top 200 this off season, and you know while I'm, I'm definitely telling you to sell, I would probably wait to sell until he's had a few home stands in Colorado Springs this upcoming season. Uh, definitely within reason to, to think that he could get off to a, a really hot start just based on the ballparks he's going to be playing in at, at Colorado Springs and the rest of the PCL. So. That's when I'd maybe try to sell if you're in a really deep dynasty league. But if you're in a league where it's you know 150 prospects uh, that are rostered, then there's probably no reason to to hold on to him uh, any longer. Finally, last guy you wrote about David Paulino, big guy, a lot of legs, and uh, somebody that you know, I don't look at him and I think this guy looks like a starter at all. Just don't see the the build for it, even though he is tall. Uh, do you get that sense as well that he's he's destined for the bullpen? Yeah, I, I think he had the second worst body we saw out there behind Willie Calhoun. Wow. Like op, complete opposites, right? Like mm-hmm. he's got he's got more than a foot on Calhoun. Um, and I'm sure it, Calhoun weighs like and Calhoun's probably got him by like twenty more. or thirty pounds. Uh, Looks like he ate a version of. <laughs> but, Paulino's like that'd be like a good like buddy buddy comedy to have those two guys living together. Um, (laughs) But like Paulino, just I I I couldn't really figure out how to express it. I'm not I'm not a good enough writer, I guess, to to properly express what about his body I didn't like. But I just didn't like it at all. Like I I just it just doesn't look right to me, and Hmm. I can't think of a starting pitcher that's ever really looked like that i don't really like the way he throws either uh he's kind of guiding the ball in there it's it's fastball curveball i know Eno Saris said that the the spin rate on his curveball is great but i also think it's um gonna be kind of easy to pick up on when he's throwing uh, one or the other just i don't i don't like it at all i think he the Astros might give him some starts over Martes next year just because I think Martes is like the, the prized arm that you you want to make sure you, you handle properly. With Paulino, you're just kind of like, oh, let's just give him – let's just throw him a few starts, see what he does. If, if not, then we move him to the bullpen. Um, 
I, I would make sense. I liked Paulino a lot before I before I saw him uh, in person, and yeah, this it's it's not good. I really hope one of those two guys gets traded so we can get a like a triple A buddy cop movie. <laughs> uh, not that they're cops, but just a buddy movie. Yeah. James, we appreciate the insight as always. Any other quick hitters? Anybody else that tickled your fancy down there, or, or didn't? Um, yeah, not really. I mean, I think. There's there's a ton of guys I didn't write about who basically just didn't, in my opinion, hasn't changed on them at all, mm-hmm. or we didn't really see enough of them to kind of warrant it. But if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter or, or leave something in the comments section. And again, check out the updated Top 200 Prospect Rankings, rotowire.com, slash pod for a free 10-day trial. Thanks, guys. Don't know when we'll be back. It's going to be here and there sporadically through the off season, but uh, we'll be in touch. Talk to you again soon. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.